Today's Bible reading is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creation. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Well, we've reached the final sermon in our New Way to Be in Dolby series and all the way to Colossians 3. So far, the book has focused on how the Colossians are to be rather than what they are to do. But if you're like the type of person who likes directions, then this part won't disappoint. In Colossians 3, Paul really brings his letter home, writing, Since then, You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul uses how we are to be as a vehicle for directing how we are to live. The heading in our church Bibles is Rules for Holy Living. And while there are do's and do nots, we need to remember that a text without a context becomes a pretext for a proof text. In other words, we must look at everything we read here in light of what Paul has written to us so far. We are to be thankful, Christ-centered, and free people first and foremost. You'll remember that Paul addresses his letter to the saints or holy ones. Christians who trust in Jesus are already holy. We are holy, so we are to live holy. Now in our culture, being holier than thou is always a bad thing. Holiness isn't something we seem to want or care about especially. But there are many, mainly because there are so many examples in our world of people trying to be holy and failing miserably. There seem to be two popular paths to holiness in our culture. One is the no path where people believe that as long as we say no to things that give us pleasure, we become holy. When we say no to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, when we punish our bodies and have no fun, we attain enlightenment and become holy. This is a path for grumps, 
say no enough, and you might one day do enough to become holy. The other path is the yes path. This is the hunt path. Sometimes we think that if you go to enough parties, experiment with enough drugs, say yes to everything that the grumps say no to, we'll reach a plane where I'm so good and loving that people who touch me will start to glow and I'll be invited onto some hipster TV show and asked how I managed to discover my best life. Perhaps one of the reasons many of us have given up trying to be holy, me included, is that we've tried these paths and they haven't worked. We still fail and we still fall, and sin and failure still make life hard sometimes. If this is you, then Colossians is written for you. But Paul, its writer, isn't ready to give up the fight for personal holiness just yet. He knows the God he serves wants his people to be holy, and so he writes, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Colossian culture was much more permissive than we often care to think. There's an understanding that the ancients were all prudish and afraid of sex, and it wasn't until the 60s that we discovered free love. But the Colossians were much more permissive than we often think. In Colossae, you could go down to the temple and rent a prostitute who would lead you in a religious fertility ritual. Rich men would take concubines or younger men as their personal playthings. Aphrodite or Venus, the goddess of love and sensuality, was extremely popular and rich Greeks and Romans engaged in sexual escapades that would make people today blush. Paul and the early Christians went against the culture by following a Jesus-shaped sexual ethic. Jesus would quote Genesis 2.24 when he taught on relationships. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. For Jesus, sex is a holy gift from God, set aside for enjoyment and fruitfulness between a woman and a man who have promised to be faithful to one another in a marriage relationship. From the early church onwards, sexual immorality is a term used to describe any sexual conduct outside a marriage relationship. Paul uses impurity, lust and evil desires to describe the things his readers would have engaged in in the past. And now he calls us to be to put to death these things so we can faithfully follow Jesus. The abuse of sex causes so much pain in our world today. From broken marriages and homes to porn addiction to sexual abuse. We make sex into an idol, an absolute thing without which we can't live and worship the gift rather than the giver. Paul wants us to cut this from the church and redeem sex for its God-given purpose. Notice Paul here is not calling us to condemn people outside the church who live this way. He appreciates that this way of life makes sense for people who don't know Jesus. He's not calling us to condemn others, but to follow Jesus in the way we live our lives. He warns that Jesus is returning as judge to bring justice and make all wrongs right. Here his words are addressed to those inside the church. But notice that Paul isn't just down on sins of sexual attitudes and behavior. He also calls us to rid ourselves of sins of speech and emotion. Verse 8. 
but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Sins of speech and emotion can destroy lives. Paul knows that what comes out of our hearts can be just as damaging as what we do with our bodies. He tells us to put these things away from us. Now at this point you might be thinking, David, this is ridiculous. You can talk about holiness all you like, but I know that when you next stub your toe, you're going to let a four-letter word rip. I know that when you get, that you get angry from time to time. Don't you think this standard is way too high? And to that I'd say you're right. If it's my standards we're talking about, then I fall horribly short. But Paul's not talking about David's standards. He's writing about a Jesus-shaped lifestyle. Jesus taught, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. Jesus calls us to an incredibly high standard of holiness. But my failings are no reason to give up trying. Jesus has made us holy, and so Colossians here is calling us to follow in his footsteps, knowing that Jesus has already washed us clean and made us holy by the power of his cross. N.T. Wright, in his commentary on Colossians, puts it wonderfully. By bluntly naming sins which are all too often excused or glossed over with euphemisms, Paul sets a clear standard for the church, both ancient and modern. Many Christians tend to concentrate on one list or the other. One knows of Christian communities that would be appalled by the slightest sexual irregularity, but which are nests of malicious intrigue, backbiting, gossip, and bad temper. And conversely, of others, where people are so concerned to live in untroubled harmony that they tolerate flagrant immorality. The gospel, however, leaves no room for behavior of either sort. We're not called to say no to everything, or even to say yes to everything in order to grow in holiness. The Bible calls this sanctification. Instead, Christians are people who say yes to Jesus and no to everything that holds us away from him. This is why verses 10 onwards are so encouraging. Like a dirty nappy, we're told to put off the things that pollute our lives and stop us from following Jesus. Now we're being told to put on the things of God like fresh new clothes. Look at verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. All people are made in the image of God, but sin wrecks our ability to reflect God's image. In embracing the holiness that Jesus offers us on the cross and committing our lives to being holy, we put on the new life Jesus offers us. This makes us a new type of person. Now in Colossae, there were all types of people. Greeks were the locals whose families had worked the land for generations. Jews were the immigrants who often took the skilled jobs and had weird customs and stuffy beliefs. One of these was circumcision. Jews were circumcised while everyone else wasn't. Barbarians were non-Greek-speaking pagans, and because to Greeks their language sounded like bar-bar-bar, so the name barbarian was used to make fun of them. 
Barbarians and Greeks both made fun of Scythians, who lived north of the Black Sea. Scythians were the Bogans of the Bogans, and practically everyone looked down on them. Another distinction between people was their freedom. If you didn't own a slave, you probably were a slave, and slaves were told where to go, what to do, who to marry, and how to behave. These classes and divisions gave structure to Roman society, but the Bible here makes a radical claim in verse 11. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. If we are to put on the new nature in Christ, we need to remember that every person who has the Holy Spirit has the Spirit of Christ living inside them. The walls that divide people no longer matter because now there are only two types of people, those who are in Christ and those who need to know him. This resulted in radical equality in the Christian church. The gifts of women were used and affirmed. Christian slave masters treated their slaves as people rather than property. Proud Jews like Paul began eating and caring for people outside their race. Racism, classism and xenophobia have no place in the church because Jesus makes us into new people and breaks down dividing walls of hostility. At St. John's we have no room for cliques and in-groups because we are all one in Christ. Physical differences are signs of God's creativity and of the awesomeness of his image. But we treat each and every person with the same care, dignity and respect as our Saviour Jesus. In verse 12, there are more things to put on. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these, virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. These are the things that we are to clothe ourselves with. If you're over 25, you've changed clothes over 20,000 times. We are to put these qualities on daily making our allegiance to Jesus what defines us. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience all sound pretty, but when you get into the muck and sin of living in a church family, we need to realise that these are hard things to practise, but for Paul they are non-negotiable aspects of who we are in Christ. In 2016, 3.1 million Australians identified themselves as Anglicans. 500,000 people less than in 2011. Part of the reason our church is bleeding members is because compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience aren't things we're known for. Christians are often known for hatred and infighting rather than love and unity and part of this is our lack of commitment to holiness. While holiness isn't very marketable, lots of people in Dolby are trying to figure out how to be good people. What would happen if compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience became things we were known for? Perhaps more people might be prepared to die to themselves and live for Christ. When we put on a lifestyle shaped by Jesus, the possibilities are endless. The final verse of the passage really brings home what holiness is all about. Let the peace of Christ Rule in your heart, says verse 15, 
Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Is holiness to be at the forefront of our minds? No. It's Jesus. Holiness is the direct outflow of a life lived with Christ as the center. In trying to be holy, people through history have tried to figure out where to start. Is it in our minds? As long as we educate ourselves and fill our minds with information, can we be holy? No. Perhaps it's the will. If I can muster up enough willpower, I can be holy. No. For Paul, it's when we enthrone Jesus in our hearts and let the peace of Christ rule and reign in our lives that we'll begin to tackle the sin that plagues us. Whatever we do at St. John's, it should be in the name of our Lord Jesus. There is no one greater and there is no truer purpose for our lives. When we submit to Christ, we discover our true purpose and become whole. We don't stop being ourselves. Instead, we find out who God created us to be and become whole, holy in Christ. Let's be holy as Jesus is holy. Let's live for him. Amen.